Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. about God dreams and from the uh, story of Solomon. I've never preached this. I double-checked my file this week. I've never preached this. I had to go back to when I was a youth pastor, the last time I ever talked about this. Um, And uh, it's a popular um, story, I think, for youth and um, uh, kids, kids and teenagers. But I want to tell you, God can give you a dream at 80 or 90 or 8 or 9 and everybody in between. I want to show you King Solomon here um, went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices. I'm in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse number 4. I see some people with um, their Bibles open. If you don't have your Bible, i got a big Bible on the screen behind me. Um, The king went to Gibeon, that king is Solomon, to offer a sacrifice. I always start the fast off um, by saying it's a sacrifice, and it really is. Um, this is what Solomon was doing. He said, he said he went to the most important high place. This was a holy place, a sacred place, a place that they got alone with God. They went to the altar and they brought a sacrifice, a worship. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Uh, it was a high, high offering. Um, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. Everybody say a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Notice it's where he worshipped, where he sacrificed that God spoke to him. And this message is kind of born out where I haven't started a new series yet. It's just kind of an overflow of my heart and the experience that I've had over these 21 days. That people, God is speaking to his people. But the question is never is if God is speaking, because he is, it's are we listening? And it's in that, that place of devotion, it's in that place of worship, it's in this altar, it's in that 21 days that our ear is tuned and we hear what God is speaking, we see what God is trying to show. So he gives him this dream and in verse 6, Solomon answered, Uh, to the Lord. He says, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you, righteous and upright in his heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and you've given him a son, he's saying, that's me, to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Notice he says now, he says, but I'm only a little child. Now, he was a grown man, but he was saying this, this calling, this ministry, this purpose, this plan is so big, it, it kind of dwarfs me, it makes me feel small, and he says, I, I don't know how to carry out my duties. Um, he says, your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people. This is his plea. He says to the Lord, he says, 
if, if you just give me, notice in verse 5, you guys know this story? Verse 5, the Lord says, ask whatever you want. But then he says, this is all I want. He said, give your servant a discerning heart. That word there is a listening heart. It's like a heart with ears on it. God, give me a listening heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this people of yours? Notice his heart there is humble. He says, the Lord was pleased. It says in verse 10, the Lord was pleased. Do you realize there's prayers you can pray that pleases God? And if there's prayers that please God, there's prayers that, on the other side of the coin, there's prayers God likes, and there's prayers he doesn't like. God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, how many are thankful God is a God of the moreover, the abundant? He's Jehovah Jireh, the one that provides. He's He's the God of the over and above. I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime there will be no equal among kings. Um, And he says that if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and realized it had been a dream. God bless you. I know we read like 11, 12 verses. Thank you for standing. Say hello to somebody else around you. God bless you. And I see, I see Dorothy in the booth back there because it is dark. I can't see nobody. Can you bring those lights like a millimeter above center there, or a millimeter above the mark? The booth is always on me because I'm so picky about the lights, but I just feel like I just wanted to see y'all's face today. Is that all right? Because when the sun's coming in, it's like a good balance. But when it's not, I can't see y'all. And you guys look so good today. I want to see you. And, and I thought about how Peter on that, on that day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, he looked around that prayer meeting and he said, hey, we are living in the vision that Joel saw. We're living and we are awake now in the dream that Joel had. Like Joel had this prophecy that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on men and women and the young and old would have dreams and visions. And he says, we are living in that here and right now. And after that 21 days of prayer, I just wonder if there's anybody that would say today, I am now walking in something I used to pray for. I am now holding something that is now visible. I can hold it that used to be invisible. It was just a dream in my heart. It was just a vision in my spirit. But now I'm living in it. I'm touching it. I'm walking in it. I'm holding it. That is the God we serve. And that is what God can do through a dream. Yeah, I, I thought about this. We don't have to go too far at all in the Bible to see that humanity, have you ever thought of this? Humanity was the crown of creation. Save the best for last. And what is it, do you ever think about that? What is it that makes us different than the animal kingdom? There are other creatures that are living and breathing and, and, and eating and watching and moving. How are we different? Well, the Bible tells us there's a lot of things, but I would start with saying that we are made in the image of God. 
he spoke everything else into existence, but it said he gathered up the earth, the clay, the dust, breathed life into it. There was a special relationship between us and God. There was a closeness to their creator. It said that he would, he had a, a standing appointment with them, that he would walk and talk with them in the garden. And and there's a closeness between us and God as the crown of his creation. And I'll tell you that even today, when God wants to create something new, oftentimes he wants to let you in on it. That's great news. He gives you a vision of what he wants to do next. He gives you a dream of what he wants to do next. He lets us in on it. He lets us work for it. He lets us push into it. He lets us pray for it. He lets us believe for it. Now, it's by faith, and as Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, it's according to the power that works in us, but he wants to do it in us and through us and bring something that was invisible to the visible, something that was supernatural to the natural. As Jesus prayed, something that was heaven's will, let it come to earth. That is what God wants to do in your life. And it's not this manifesting thing that I hear about in culture nowadays, but this is a Holy Spirit-given dream. This is a Holy Ghost vision of what God wants to do in your life, and it's already heaven's will. He's just waiting on somebody to say, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Somebody help me out. On earth, as it already is in heaven. You know, animals, they're driven by instinct. But humans are made in the image of God. God had a plan for your life. He told Jeremiah, while you were in your mother's womb, I had a plan for you. Humans have instincts too, but it's much more than that. Animals only have instinct. But we, have, we are guided by a divine purpose a divine vision. In fact, it tells us that it doesn't say this about animals, but it says it about people. It says in Proverbs 29 and 18, where there's no vision, the, the people will perish. It doesn't say that about animals, but it says it about people. People need a vision. And if you're just in instinct mode or just in survival mode, you will never get where God wants you to get. A lot of our world just lives on instinct, not by the Word of God. They're driven by their appetite, driven by their bellies, just what their flesh wants. Eat, sleep, drink, repeat, wake up, go to work, do it all again. What's most comfortable? What's the easy path? What does my flesh want? What's my base desires? What is that? What, what, is, what is driving me? That's what a lot of people in our world today live on, and they just go with that. But Jesus told me that you can't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so bread will not satisfy me. The things of this world will not satisfy me. But God has a plan, a word for you, a vision for you, a dream for you that will get you to where God... I'm trying, I, I got it in my spirit today. Instincts will help you survive. 
But it's by his word that I thrive. It's by his vision. It's by his direction. It's by his plan. It's by the dream he put in my heart. And I just want to tell somebody, if you'll ever get that dream that God has for you, if you ever get that vision that God has for you, you'll say, God can do so much more than I can do. I've got a vision to hold on to. I've got a dream that drives me. And, and I've, I had so many conversations uh, this, this, um, this week, and, and, and I wanted to share it with you. I had so many people this week, that these 21 days, I say, that told me, God's given me a fresh vision. God's given me a new purpose. I, I've, got, I've had several conversations over these last few weeks of people say, I, I just know that God is calling me to more. Just maybe even a, a ministry calling. And we've had people come to Tom and Erica that lead our life group ministry and say, I want to start a new ministry. I want to, uh, God's birthing something in me, giving me a vision of, of how he wants to use me in his house and use me for his people. And I'll tell you, there's been so many testimonies come in. I, I said, I gave some of them last week, and I said this year I was going to be diligent about writing them down. But one of them has been over and over people telling me, I've got a recharge. I've got a revived spirit. I've got a new vision. I've got a dream. I've had so many, I've had so many text messages of people saying, Pastor, I got to talk to you. I got a dream. I got a vision. Help me work this out. What does it mean? And I'll tell you that. From this and so much more, we know that dreams and visions is how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It's more than just a word. It's a vision. And then it's played out in a dream. It starts as a word. Then it's a vision. Then it's a dream. Mimi, it starts with a word. And then it's a picture. And then it's a videotape. It's like, I'm, and then someday it'll be like Peter, and he looks around a prayer meeting and says, we're living in the dream that started as a word and became a vision, and now we're living in it. And, and, and I, just, I just, I feel like in my spirit today, somebody might be saying, I know what reality is, but with this vision, I see what it could be. I know what's going on, but with this dream, I see what God wants. I know where I'm at, but God gave me a vision of where he wants to take me. I know this thing's always been in my family, but God gave me a dream that there's a new thing on my family. There's a new anointing. Things going to be different from here on out because God's favor is on my life. God's favor is on my home. And I thank God for everything that he's done, but I just have a sense that God has more. That's the dream. That's the vision. And I just believe there's people that are going to start praying big prayers again. Start believing for more again. Stand on the promise of God's word again. Believe for it. See it. Dream it. Hold to it. And let God bring it to pass. Somebody said amen. I, I got to jump in. I told you I'm going to try to preach quick today. The language of the Holy Spirit is dreams and visions. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it will be in a dream and a vision. First thing I want to say today is that worshipers dream dreams. Uh, Prophet Joel said, old men dream dreams. It's true. But also worshipers dream dreams. From this story, we saw that Solomon was up on that holy place, the altar, 
and was sacrificing to the Lord. And that night, how many know God doesn't do anything by coincidence? It wasn't like, oh, that was random. This this morning you were at the altar and gave this great word, and then that evening, no. The things that have happened in your life on these 20, it wasn't a coincidence. And so worshipers dream dreams. Verse number four, it said the king went to Gibeon to offer these sacrifices. He gave a thousand burnt offerings. And the Lord appeared to him that night in verse five. He says, ask How many would want the Lord to come to you in a dream and say, ask for whatever you want me to give you? I say every year on that 21 days that it is a sacrifice, but God notices and he honors that sacrifice that we make. And after that sacrifice, God gave Solomon a dream. To worship God really involves, we were saying this in the pre-service meeting, really involves us to put small g gods on the altar and sacrifice them to the one true and living God. And from that, I'll show you that worship is more about priority than it is a melody. And, and so, you know, think about that. Like, why, why was it a big deal that he brought 10,000 animal sacrifices? Why was that a big deal? Well, because that could be something that people would trust in. You know, you don't have to have a whole lot of cattle before you got a whole field of cattle and you're a cattle rancher. Maybe let me say, you just need a few mom and dad cows and you've got a whole field. You got a whole field of cows pretty soon. And somebody can trust in that because they can sell those cows When they're hungry, they can say, it's time for a cheeseburger, and they could trust in that. But what he's doing is he's putting that on the altar and saying, I'm not trusting in my business. I'm not trusting in my wallet. I'm not trusting in the economy. I'm not trusting in anything else. But I'm putting all the small G gods on the altar, and I'm giving it to you as a worship to say, you are center in my life. You are first in my life. You are the priority of my life. And when you do that, it's worship. Now, it's also melody. We should sing, clap, get here for the first song, all of that, lift up our hands, lift up our voices, worship the Lord, because that worship, it, it breaks, it breaks the, the strongholds, it prepares our hearts, it gets us to that place of being able to prioritize the Lord. And, and, but it's, it's so much more than that. That's why sometimes when people lead the offering, they'll say, we're going to worship the Lord in giving because we're prioritizing the Lord. We're putting him first. We're, we're, we're bringing a sacrifice and putting it on the altar saying, Lord, this is yours. And I'll just tell you, whatever you worship will take up the center part of your life. That's why it's important to come to the altar and come to the house of God. That's why worship is so important. And really, that's why the Lord in his infinite wisdom said, one day a week, I want you to just align your priorities again. Just, just one day a week, just, just come to the house of God and, and put everything else aside and, and put the Lord center again because in, 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 uh, in our life, how many know priorities can get mixed up and messed up pretty quick? And the Lord says, come to my house every week and just remind yourself, remind your flesh, 
Remind the small g gods. Remind your wallet. Remind your work. Remind your families. Remind your children that God is center and everything else gets moved aside. God is center in my life. God is first in my life. And and here's why that's so important is because you will receive from what you worship. He worshiped the Lord and he received a dream from God. When you worship the Lord, you tap into his supply. But if you're tapped into something else, you'll only receive from that. You only receive what you're worshiping. You only receive from what you're worshiping. Let me me back up so I can unpack that a little bit. David said in Psalm 22 and 3, he said, You are holy and you inhabit the praises of your people, Psalm 22 and 3, of Israel. So God inhabits places people are worshiping him. That's why Jesus taught us when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we address him and then we worship him. Hallow means honor. That's all that means. We honor your name. So before we ask anything from him, because you'll receive from what you worship, Before I ask him for anything, I worship him and I sacrifice anything that's standing in the way. I'm putting anything else on the altar that would stand in the way because before I ever receive from him, I have to worship him. And if you don't do this, he's not inhabiting your praises. We could pray prayers outside of the presence of God because we haven't approached him with praise. We come into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And I think sometimes that's why we feel no connection in prayer, because we just went right to petition without the praise. But I can't enter his courts without thanksgiving. I can't enter the gates without praise. And so I've got to come in with a praise. Somebody said, my prayers are hitting the ceiling. Maybe they are, because you haven't approached him with praise. He's not inhabiting the praises. You haven't praised him to inhabit. So you're praying prayers outside the presence of God. But when I come in with praise, when I come in with thanksgiving, when I say, hallowed be thy name, honor your name, we praise you. Now I'm in alignment. I've moved out the small G gods and I will receive from who I worship. But I've got to come into his presence. David tells us more in Psalm 115. He says, those that make dead idols will end up dead like them. I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but, but he says they have mouths but can't speak. They have eyes but can't see. They have ears but can't hear. They, they, they have mouths, but they're, they have uh, lips, but they can't uh, use their throats. Or He goes on and on and on. He's talking about the idols. And then he encapsulated it all. He says, those that worship dead idols will become like them. Those that worship dead things will become dead. And so people that they're worshiping the entertainment of this world. It's not long before they feel empty inside. If, if, if money or pleasure or pursuits is your God, some of those things are great, but not as gods. And when those things become gods and you worship them, it's not long before you feel empty inside, 
Because what you're emptying it or what you're worshiping is empty. And if you worship dead things, you become dead inside. So somebody's saying, why do I feel dead inside? Why do I feel empty inside? Why is, it, why is there this hollowness in me? It's because you're worshiping something that there's no life in. But if you'll worship the risen Savior, if you'll worship the living God, if you'll worship... He said there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. If that's what you worship, that's what you receive. Oh, somebody's getting a, somebody's getting a breakthrough in the house. If, if the only thing you're devoted to is your job, that's the only thing you can draw from. If the only thing you're devoted to is, is another good time or pleasure or whatever, and, and God bless you, go on cruises and all that stuff. But if that's you, what you worship, that's the only thing you can draw from. Whatever you prioritize and put center in your life is what you receive from. I, I like how people say nowadays, you heard people say this, it's science. It's like, you can't argue with this, it's science. Okay. Uh, here's, I'm going to give you some, it's science. But you know what? I, I say this a lot of times. You know, when I was in school, you know, they would have like the 32nd edition of the science book. Science changes. But, and I left my Bible next door. It's my electronic Bible. But this is on the first edition. We're still on the first edition of this thing. It hasn't changed. But if you need science, they say that your brain cannot be grateful and anxious at the same time. Because they, the reason they can't live together is because it's the same part of your brain that produces both of them. So when you put the Lord center and you are coming in with thanksgiving, gratitude, and you're coming in with praise, it pushes the small g gods out of the way. It pushes the worry out, the anxiety out, the fear out. And so if you're not praising God and you're not giving him thanks, no wonder the worry and fear and anxiety take root because your brain will produce one or the other. It will either produce praise or it will produce fear. But when I'm praising him and saying, you're on the throne, you're a good God, you never left me, you never forsook me, even in the valley of the shadow of death, there was no fear because thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. It crowds out everything else. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added. Will be all these. If you have worry and fear and anxiety, all these other things will be taken care of. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be fixed. All these other things will be handled. All these other things will be overseen by God because He is on the throne, and I've made Him king of my life. I worship Him, He's center in my life. I mean, said, Amen only got a few minutes left. I better zip through two and three. Connect your dream. Connect it to what? Number two, connect your dream. Connect it to God's purpose. Now that Solomon has worshipped, God gives him a dream. He says to him, this is what's so profound about Solomon. He says, I'll give you anything you want. But Solomon immediately connects it to the kingdom. And he says, well, Lord, what I really want is, and I don't have time to read it, I better just skip through, I better just tell you, we already read it once. He says, Lord, what I really want is I want wisdom. I want a, I want a hearing heart. I want a discerning heart. 
Why? To be the smartest, to win Jeopardy? No. <laughs> to govern your people. To impress everybody with how smart? No. To govern your people. And if you read that chapter, there's those two women that come and they both say, this is our baby. And the one says, well, you know, yeah, let's we'll split it in half. And the psalmist says, well, then you're not the real mama then. This. It wasn't just to impress people with his wisdom. It was to govern with justice. And so God will give you a dream at 80, 90, 8, or 9, but you got to connect it to his kingdom. Amen. You'll know it's a God dream when it doesn't just bless you. It can bless you and it will bless you, but it blesses others too. You'll know it's a God dream when it aligns with God's plan and purpose and will. I think in the immature phase, the dream is all about me. Can I say that? It's about the car. It's about the zip code. It's about the job title. It's about the career. It's about the spouse. It's, it's, it's finding all these things that's going to bless me. But as you mature, the dream is beyond you. I, I wish I had more time, but there's been things that God has put in my heart, and at first I thought it was about me, and I realized, no, it was about him. It, it, was, it was about him using me to bless others. It, it, was, it was about reaching people. And I thought in the beginning, you know, oh, it's another ring up the ladder. It was, no, it was, it was about him. It was about his kingdom. And, and, and that dream is beyond you, what God wants to do. It will bless you, but it will bless others too doesn't mean God doesn't want to bless you with, through that dream. It just means it goes way beyond you. And the joy is not in your dream, but the joy is in God's dream. And so any dream that you have that doesn't align with Him, you got to realign it with His. And so I, I, I feel like Ephesians 3 and 20 came up a lot of times through our, our devotion speakers and even Bishop uh, Carl last week, but it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that works in us. Why is that? Because our dream is just blessing us. But when God's dream gets in us, it blesses us. But it goes to that second order, that third level, that fifth order that I couldn't even have dreamed of. I couldn't have even imagined because, yeah, God blessed Joseph in elevating him into Egypt, but he could have never seen what all God did through him. And so it blessed him, but it blessed others. And that's what God has for you. He got that dream as a teenager. And in his immaturity, it was. It was all about him. He goes to his brothers and he says, guys, I had this great dream. You guys are going to bow down and worship me. <laughs> no wonder they didn't like him. <laughs> I wouldn't have liked my little brother either. We'll show you, bud. <laughs> Try to get out of this pit. And, and, and by the end of his life, though, he realizes this dream wasn't about me. Chapter 50, at the close of his life, verse 20, he says, But as for you, you meant evil against me. Genesis 50, 20. He says, But as for you, you meant, uh, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. 
What he realized at the end is everything he went through, the dream carried him from a pit to a prison, to being lied on, to being overlooked, to being forgotten, to finally being elevated in the end, but not for his job title, not for his office, not for the mahogany desk in the executive chair or the room, but God used all of this to save his family. And so every hard season, everything that he went through, the dream wasn't about him bowing down to him. He just saw that moment where they would approach him and say, please, would you give us some, some supplies? And in his mature, immaturity, he thought it was about him, but really everything God had for his life was a setup for him to be able to bless other people. And I'll tell you, the dream will bless you, but it'll bless people around you. The dream will bless you, but it'll bless God's kingdom. The dream will bless you, but it will bless your family. It will bless those around you. God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond measure what you could even ask, what you can even understand. God is doing. He's doing. He's working. He's bringing it to pass. So in, Jan in Daniel chapter 2, and this is what came to my mind this week, as so many people, I've got like three or four conversations lined up for today at church. People tell me, i got to tell you what the Lord has put in my heart. And in chapter 2, Daniel was asked to interpret a dream. King Nebuchadnezzar says, tell me what it means. After these 21 days, I'm having conversations, people saying, I've got this dream. I've got this vision. I've got this word. What does it mean? I've got a gift. I've always had this gift, but what does God want me to do with it? I have this desire. I, I, I have this call. I, I want to start this ministry. What does it mean? And I'll just tell you, without the Holy Spirit, you'll never know what it means. But it's through the Holy Ghost that he gives us a word, a vision, and a dream. And if you'll worship him, that dream will come to pass, and it will bless more than just you. It will bless those around you, because God has a great plan for you, for his people, and for his house. How many said amen? Music come. I got to close quick here. I'm trying to close today. I'm landing the plane. The music will play me out of here. Last thing I want to tell you, I didn't really know how to word this, but I'll just tell you, accept the dream, surrender to his will, receive the dream, accept it. Parenthetically, I would say in prayer, say yes, Lord. What I love here in verse 7, Solomon, the king of Israel, says, I'm only a little child. I'm only a little child. He's the king. But in prayer, he says, Lord, I need direction. I'm just a child. <laughs> I thought of it this way. He's the king, but in the prayer closet, he was with the king of kings. And, and so when I'm in that prayer closet, when you're in that prayer closet, I don't care what title you've got. You're just a child of the king. You, you, might be, you might be an executive, you might be, you might be a boss, there might be people that look to you and, and serve you, but in that prayer closet, you serve him. 
every knee shall bow. You you might be a husband, a father, you might carry a lot of things, you might be a wife and a mother, and you might carry a lot of things, but in that prayer closet, you're just a child of God. And he says, Lord, I don't know where to go from here. I, I, I don't know what to do right now. But I'll tell you, you don't have to have it all figured out. You just need what Solomon prayed for. He said, give me a heart that can hear. He said in verse 9, he said, give me a discerning heart. That in the uh, Hebrew is, is more similar to a listening heart. Solomon's praying, put ears on my heart. Because I don't have it all figured out, but if you'll just give me an ability to hear from you, I'll know which way to go and I'll know what to do. So many times people tell me, they say, Pastor, pray for me. I will. But you need a word from God. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I will. But you need a listening heart. People say, I'm praying for a miracle. I'm believing for it with you. But you need a listening heart. You need a heart that can hear. You need eyes that can see. He wasn't talking about just, just this, these natural ears. He's saying, give me ears that are tuned in to the spirit realm. Five times in the Bible, Jesus said, whoever has ears, let him hear. He wasn't talking about natural ears. He was talking about hearing supernatural things. And so I don't think the question is, God speaking, I believe the question is, are we listening? And my heart this week was just that what God was doing in these 21 days will continue. And if we'll hold to that word, we'll hold to that vision, we'll hold to that dream, it will drive us into destiny. Because truly man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Last week as we were doing that prayer line in Miracle Sunday, it was so powerful and I was right here and I saw prophetic things happen. Uh, we have people claiming healings by faith. We had healings on these 21 days. I, I, I know I got to close, but we, we had people say their business completely turned around in the very first week. We had people, there was one family that had two salvations in their family. Uh, we had an operation that was so successful it exceeded the doctor's expectations. Uh, we had one family receive favor from doctors receiving answers for unexplained illnesses for years. They received answers and direction on that 21-day fast. We had two reports of physical healing and service. Uh, we had approximately, I've had approximately now more. I, I, last week I said five. I've probably had 10 conversations about people telling me they have visions and callings and dreams and ministries being birthed in their spirit. Um, we had a family move into a new house. We had a family that was praying for their children. Um, and they were in the house of God on that 21 days. Uh, we had... I've had people receive so much. I, I've got a longer list here. But when I was down here, I was people were coming through. I was saying, what are we praying for today? What are you praying for? And I tell you, in my mind, the number one thing that people said was, I just got a lot of going on. I've got anxiety. I've got fear. I've got worry. That was the number one thing. And 
this is what I feel this week is that our anxiety and our worry is a result of not having a dream, a vision, a word from God. Because if we did and we honored it and we held to it, it would push all that to the margin and we would understand that God has a promise for you. God has a promise for me. God has a promise for this church. And that fear and anxiety is born when we don't honor the word that God gave us, when we don't carry the dream that God gave us, when we don't walk in the vision that God gave us. But I'll tell you, if you will today, you will feel a peace that you have not felt in a long time. In a long time. I got one last thing. Solomon prayed this. He said, I'm just a child. I don't know it all. But if you'll just give me a hearing heart, I'll be good. Imagine that on his prayer card. He just says, Lord, I'll just be good if I could hear you. That's all I want. I could discern. I could serve you. He said that God loved his prayer. He was pleased with his prayer. We read that. It's in verse 10. Let me see it one more time. The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, not for long life, not for wealth, you haven't asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment. Next verse, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be never be anybody like you, nor will there ever be. And he says, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. If you'll pray a prayer that pleases God, he'll give you what you asked for, but he'll say, moreover, I've got things that you haven't asked for because I know your heart, I know your dream, I know your vision, and I have things for you that you haven't even asked for. He says, I'll give you wealth, I'll give you honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal. God loved his prayer that much. God said, I want to bless you. And I believe in this house today, there's been people that have prayed prayers over these 21 days that have pleased God's heart. And I'm praying with you and I'm believing with you that God is the God that sends an over, a more overabundant blessing to you in your life if you'll begin to follow it. Stand with me all over this place. I wonder how many would just bow their head, close their eyes all over this room today. How many would just lift up their hand today and just say, Lord, I need a vision, I need a dream, I need a word today for my life, for what you're doing. And if you, I believe all of you, I believe God is speaking. I believe God is speaking to everybody in this room. Hands are all, all over the room. I believe God is speaking. I just believe we got to have a listening heart today. Say, Lord, what do you have for me? Let it continue in this house. Lord Jesus, we just pray all over this room that you would begin to speak to our hearts, Lord, as we come today to this altar, as we lift up hands in this house. Lord, that you would do what only you can do and you would speak to us and you would do it today in Jesus' name. I'm opening this altar. The music is singing, is coming to sing. I'm opening this altar today. I'm asking my prayer partners to get in place. If you would, let's find a place just to hear from the Lord today. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.